Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, invites you to be the informed patient with the podcast that features experts from Central New York's only academic medical center. I'm your host, Amber Smith. Today, I'm talking about the connection between long COVID and sleep troubles with Dr. Antonio Calabras. He's a professor of neurology at Upstate, specializing in sleep medicine. Dr. Calabras, I'm really glad to have you back on The Informed Patient. Earlier in the pandemic, you and I did an interview focused on how to deal with anxiety and stress to get a better night's sleep because so many people were saying how hard it was to sleep during the pandemic. But today we're going to focus on people who had COVID but have not 100% recovered. Maybe they have long COVID. And among the symptoms they complain of is insomnia. Now, how often do you see patients who fit this description? We find some, but not too many. I don't have too many patients coming to me saying I have insomnia because of COVID or because of long COVID symptoms. Um, I do have some patients who come in for a variety of reasons and they tell me, um, I had COVID uh, six months ago. I developed a uh, long COVID uh, that lasted uh, three, four months. I think at that time I was not able to sleep as well as I used to. Yes, I do have those patients, but it is not epidemic. Now, let me go back to what I said maybe a year or two years ago was based on the information that we had on, uh, on surveys that were not very scientific. Problems with sleep are generally associated with depression and anxiety. And uh, there are a number of uh, mini studies, I would say, Short studies indicating that there has been a lot of uh, sleep dysfunction as a result of depression and anxiety occurring in people during the pandemic. In fact, I just read an article in JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, indicating that uh, a survey, the results of which were just uh, released, of 1.4 million people. In 2020, that's the last uh, survey that uh, we have showed that uh, the prevalence of uh, clinically significant uh, anxiety and depression increased only modestly. So there, there is a little bit of a legend there that there has been a lot of anxiety and depression as a result. In fact, this article, which is very well done, and, uh, and I have a lot of confidence in what they are saying. This article says that there were many web surveys that were done hurriedly without much scientific background. And those were the ones that showed a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. And based on that, the legend has evolved. So has there been anxiety and depression? Yes, but it has been modest at least during the first year. Now that anxiety and that depression had an impact in sleep. Yes, but it is not as bad as we thought it was. Now, the proviso is that we don't have results for 2021 and 2022. It might get worse. And that's what the article says. But during the pandemic, the first year of the pandemic, it was not as bad as people said it was. The prevalence of clinically significant anxiety and depression increased only modestly. And that affects directly sleep. 
and the ability to initiate and maintain sleep. Well, let me ask you from a neurological point of view, what happens to patients with long COVID? My short answer is that we don't know. However, there is a lot of uh, hypothesis, if not speculation on what happens. There is a strong suspicion that uh, long COVID is the result of what we call encephalopathy, which is a subtle inflammation of the brain. We don't know whether that encephalopathy is the result of direct invasion of the virus or the result of all the products that are released in the system as a result of the viral attack. It is likely, in my opinion, that long COVID is subtle encephalopathy with inflammation of the brain, resulting in many symptoms, including fatigue and including insomnia. So I've heard people complaining of fatigue and brain fog that could be attributed to swelling in the brain? Yes. Those are symptoms that are very similar to, to what happens after a concussion. After a concussion, patients may complain for many months of uh, brain fog, headache, uh, insomnia, fatigue, and so on. In long COVID, all, all those symptoms, including headache, occur. Being so similar, it is likely that uh, long COVID is also the result of inflammation of the brain. But we don't have scientific uh, confirmation of that. So how do these long COVID symptoms potentially interfere with sleep? Well, it interferes as a result of that encephalopathy that I was mentioning. There is disturbance of the uh, circadian rhythmicity, that is disturbance of the centers that uh, control sleep, the centers that uh, control vigilance, all that. All those centers are disturbed when there is inflammation. And uh, the uh, clinical expression of that is inability to initiate sleep at the proper time, inability to maintain sleep, and even perhaps uh, some limits the following day. So they may have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, getting quality sleep. Exactly. You, you know, high quality sleep is characterized by continuity, depth, and duration. So if the continuity is, is not there, if sleep is fragmented or if sleep is delayed, then that continuity is of uh, poor quality and sleep becomes of poor quality. If, um, the duration of sleep, which in an adult should be anywhere between seven and nine hours every 24 hours is not there, then the quality of sleep declines. And uh, that applies also for depth of sleep. That's the third uh, quality of sleep, depth. If people don't go into a deep sleep as a result of perhaps fragmentation or as a result perhaps of sleep apnea that got worse during COVID, 
then the quality of sleep also declines. Have you seen any people that are developing sleep apnea because of long COVID? No, what I have seen is people with sleep apnea who had COVID, their sleep apnea got worse. Reason being that the COVID infection also causes inflammation of the bronchial uh, system. And as a result of that inflammation, the uh, sleep apnea problem gets worse. This is Upstate's The Informed Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Upstate Sleep Specialist, Dr. Antonio Calabras. Do you think if people were able to get better quality sleep, that that would help their bodies recover from COVID or long COVID? Well, yes, indeed, because uh, sleep is one of the three pillars of good health. The other two being regular exercise and a balanced uh, diet. So sufficient sleep is the third pillar of good health. What advice do you have for someone who's recovering from COVID and having trouble sleeping? Or even, I mean, it doesn't have to be COVID. It could be a, a flu or a cold. You know, it's harder to, to rest when your nose is stuffy and you're coughing. What advice do you right. have? Well, the advice is to get the remedies that uh, the primary care physician will uh, recommend uh, for the sneezing and the coughing. All that has to come under good control. And uh, thereafter, try to be disciplined. In other words, go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, try to be regular with your diet, balanced uh, diet, and uh, over-the-counter remedies at times are uh, very helpful. I wanted to ask you about over-the-counter remedies. I, I hear a lot about melatonin. Is that something you recommend? Melatonin is a very powerful hormone that can be purchased in herbal stores without a prescription. Melatonin in our system, when it's liberated by the brain, is intended to initiate sleep and maintain the first four hours of sleep. But when it's taken by mouth, the, uh, the effects are very irregular. Some people react uh, in a very positive way. Other people tell me it didn't do anything, nothing. It was just like uh, taking uh, sugar. But um, the good thing about melatonin is that there are very few adverse effects. So if people are inclined to take melatonin, or if the doctor, the primary care physician says, uh, try melatonin, go ahead and do it. Three milligrams to five milligrams is the dose that we recommend. Let me ask you, at what point might a person be a good candidate for a sleep study to find out if there's something else going on that's causing them to have insomnia? Generally, if the person has um, sleep apnea and uh, sleep apnea got worse as a result of COVID, and that the uh, symptoms of that getting worse could be that uh, the CPAP is not working properly, that the uh, CPAP is, uh, seems to be giving uh, less air than before. All that could be the result of that inflammation in the bronchial system that I was mentioning before. 
when those patients come to us with those complaints, my inclination is to repeat uh, the, what we call titration of the CBAP. In other words, bring the patient to the sleep center and check uh, pressures again. Sometimes we can do that with an auto CBAP that does not require in-center studies. But um, patients with sleep apnea, particularly those who have been diagnosed with uh, moderate or severe sleep apnea, should be very careful if they develop uh, COVID and come to the uh, doctor's office or the sleep center as soon as they believe that uh, things are not going right. So if someone is using one of those CPAP, the, the breathing machine for people with sleep apnea, and they are infected with COVID, they need to touch base with their sleep specialist? Touch base if they feel that uh, the uh, machine is not working properly or is not giving them uh, sufficient air or uh, if they are having episodes of gasping for air during the night or if they are uh, uh, not sleeping properly because of uh, interruptions caused by the CPAP machine. You talked about how so many sleep troubles can be traced to depression and anxiety. If you see a patient who comes to you with trouble sleeping and you determine that it's not something obvious and you, and you suspect it's anxiety or depression related, if that gets treated, do you see them turn around and be able to get good sleep again? The answer is yes, but let me qualify that uh, we need to find out why the patient has anxiety and depression. And uh, we uh, need to rule out what we call a primary sleep disorder. For instance, a primary sleep disorder is sleep apnea or narcolepsy or restless legs uh, causing periodic limb movements and so on. Once we have ruled out a primary sleep disorder, then we can go back and say, oh yes, anxiety and depression are causing your symptoms of uh, sleeplessness. At that point, my inclination, following the recommendations of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, is to recommend uh, CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. It works very well. It works better than medications. Now, sometimes I, I need to add some sleeping medications to the uh, effects of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. By the way, let me mention that cognitive behavioral therapy can be obtained online. There are programs online that uh, have been shown to be very efficacious, uh, successful in uh, reducing symptoms of insomnia. So cognitive behavioral therapy, that would be with a psychiatrist or psychologist? It's the first line of therapy for insomnia, and that can be uh, given by a psychologist, by a psychiatrist, and sometimes by even uh, trained uh, social workers, people who have been trained in cognitive behavioral therapy. And some of that is available virtually where you connect with someone online, correct? Yes, there are um, online programs 
that are available. And uh, recently, studies have shown that those programs are as successful, if not more, than uh, the old-fashioned uh, session, come every other week, and so forth. Well, Dr. Calabres, I really appreciate you making time for this interview. Well, my pleasure. My guest has been Dr. Antonio Calabres. He's a professor of neurology at Upstate who specializes in sleep medicine. The Informed Patient is a podcast covering health, science, and medicine brought to you by Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, and produced by Jim Howe. Find our archive of previous episodes at upstate.edu informed. This is your host, Amber Smith, thanking you for listening.